0: We are looking at grace today. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that about grace? So um, we're going to be looking that at that in this last session. And the question to start off with today is this. How would you define grace? How would you define grace? All right. So go ahead. Break up for three minutes. Talk about that. All right, let's start. How do you guys define grace? What's that? God's righteousness at Christ's expense, all the way back here? Undeserved blessing, undeserved gift of God, okay, like that, undeserved, yeah, undeserved favor. Yeah, good. Kindness in Christ. What's that now? Kindness in, Christ. Kindness in Christ. Yeah. I would say that all of that could fall in there. Um, good, good. Anything else? Anything on the peripheral there? Should I call on my wife, Taylor? No, I won't. <laughs> God's enabling grace. Okay, great. I would, I would go along with the undeserved favor, unmerited favor uh, line, and I like that. Uh, grace is something that we don't deserve, and uh, it's a gift that is given to us. So I think that we're all following along uh, the right way there. So we're going to look at how grace goes wrong sometimes, how people try to twist grace, how people try to work grace into their own way. And uh, at this time... I would like uh, John Smith to come on up here. Come on up, John. You were ready for this, weren't you, John? Uh, no. no, you weren't. You know, it's probably because you're wearing the Cyclone shirt. That's why I called on you today, okay. right? Go Hawks! No. Here. No. Uh, no. Do I have to turn this on, or is it on? Oh, okay. hey, it's on. Sweet. Great. All right, John, where are you from? Nevada. Nevada. Yep. How long have you guys lived in Nevada now? Since November. Since November. Wow. Where were you at before then? Maxwell. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Why the move? Uh, to be closer to work. Okay. Where do you work? Uh, Burke in Nevada. Burke. Mm-hmm. What do they do? They make pizza toppings. Pizza toppings. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Do yeah. <laughs> you make a good pizza then? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite pizza topping to make, or that they make? The taco meat's pretty good. Taco meat. Okay. They used to do like a sun-dried tomato chicken sausage. That sounds really good. I haven't had good. that one in a while. But okay. Are you guys like making them for Papa Murphy's and stuff, or? Yeah, all over. All yeah, over. It's just. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. We get the raw meat, mix in the spices, cook it, freeze it bag it and send it out. Wow. I didn't even realize there's a company that did that, but yeah. it makes sense, though. So you learn something new every day. Okay. John, did we go to college together? Yes. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Was that fun? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> ah, mixed emotions there. <laughs> John, how many kids do you guys have now? Now we have six. Okay. All right. Uh, one thing that you've learned this week. Mm. Was it last night? The uh, I really liked the the most dangerous evil that our kids face is inside themselves. Yeah. Wasn't that a great reminder? Great reminder for ourselves, too. Like, the greatest evil yeah. that I'm faced with is the evil that's within me as well. So, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a wonderful reminder. What do you guys think? Do you think John deserves the the gift card this morning? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. John, thank you so much. He had no clue. Uh, So there you go. Thanks, John. I wish I had enough time to call every single one of you up here and ask you questions like that and that probably terrifies some of you. Uh, The only reason I did that with John was he had no clue I was going to do it. <laughs> so sorry, John. Thanks for being willing to participate. Uh, but uh, that, was, that was fun. So, Okay, so we said that John, what? He deserved that gift certificate, right? We Gave it to him. He deserved it because he answered some questions. And so then it was right for me to pay him for that. Correct, John? Do you think that's right? Do you like speaking in front of groups? Not too much. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that you deserved it then. We're going to talk about something today that we don't deserve at all, but yet we can become entitled, we can feel like we deserve it. In fact, there's other groups, there's other people, uh, even uh, that, that find a way to deserve grace, that they can deserve grace in some way of working toward it. Um, so we're going to look at those today in a section called Grace Gone Wrong. And I just want to preface this with, when I put in these different worldviews, Uh, There's some of them that are very closely aligned with us and actually some people that would hold to different worldviews that may still be believers. So I I want you to know that as we go through this in former segments from like yesterday and the day before. This one's going to be a little more cut and dry. We're going to go through the Old Testament and uh, New Testament as well in this section. So in no way am I saying that the people in the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, anyways, I just want to make that statement before we go through. So we're going to look at Old Testament examples. And if you ever go through the stranger study, this is kind of how John Cross will set it up uh, when talking about grace. As he goes through the story of the Bible, as he goes through it, he starts to set up these different examples that we even see from God's word of how people get grace wrong. So Old Testament examples. First one. Adam and Eve, they tried to make fig leaves. They tried to fix themselves, cover up their sins. Uh, Even as God comes down and questions them, they start to blame shift away from themselves. Adam to God and Eve to the serpent. And we have all of that and they try to cover themselves up and make their own fig leaves. Well, guess what? We still do that today. Uh, We still try to cover up our own sins. Uh, But God still comes down and talks with them, and instead of smiting them off of the face of the earth, uh, he promises a rescuer. Okay, next, Cain tries his own way. Cain tries his own way. So in the story of Cain and Abel, Cain uh, gives a sacrifice to God, but the sacrifice is not acceptable uh, to God. He tries his own way and thinks of his own way to give an offering to God, and then grows angry against God, and then sees Abel as someone who has received God's favor and kills him. Okay, the next one is the Tower of Babel and making a new religion. So the Tower of Babel, all the people come together, they build up a temple, they think that because of how great and smart that they are that they can build their way to heaven. So they try to make their own religion. They try to make their own way to get to heaven. And then all over the Old Testament, we have idolatry. I mean, it's just time and time again of you see idolatry just rampant through the nation of Israel. And we look at them, we go, how could they allow this to happen? How could they fall to these different false gods even after all of the things that they've seen God do and save them from? Right? Any of you? Get to that place? In fact, I was talking with a guy once before and I asked him, what are you reading through right now? And he goes, I'm reading through the Old Testament. I said, great, what are you learning? He goes, well, I'm right in with the Israelites and I'm looking at what they're doing and I'm going, man, they're a bunch of dummies. And I said, yeah. He said, I can't believe that they just keep turning and turning from God and they keep falling away from him. And I said, okay. How about you? What if I followed you around? Every day, and I wrote down all of the things that you did wrong. <laughs> and then everyone else was able to read where you didn't trust God. His face became really serious, and he goes, Oh, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want people to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't want people to read about all of the the bad things or the areas in which I didn't trust God. So well, the Israelites are a mirror into our own heart. We can quickly fall away. We can quickly start to trust in ourselves as well. We can trust in other things, just as the Israelites did as they fell to idolatry. We're going to talk more about that uh, as we get into Ephesians. Okay, examples in the New Testament. Anyone, any guesses here, New Testament examples? Who's that? Yeah, Paul would be a great example. I don't have the one on there, but... uh, yeah, what why why Paul? Who said that? Right here. Yeah. Yeah. He he was against Christianity. He had a zealous passion to rid it. And we think of that and we look at Paul and go, how could he be so evil? He actually thought he was acting righteously in doing that. We can become what's that? Yeah, he's still struggling with it. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we have Paul. Great. Thank you, guys. What else do we have in the New Testament? What do you guys think? Peter. Peter. Yeah, Peter, quickly, he goes back to it, doesn't he? These are good ones. I didn't throw these ones in there. Peter would be another great example. Okay. How about the Pharisees and Judaism in the New Testament? Okay. Then we have syncretism that is spreading uh, in Galatians and Colossians, the mixture of religions, the mixtures of Christianity with other religions. And then we also have false teachers in the letters of John. I mean, as you go throughout the New Testament, a lot of the writings that we have is because of what? Faulty theology, because churches were getting it wrong. There's times where I read even like we just went through the book of Corinthians at First Baptist. (laughs) And there's times where I'm just thankful for the church in Corinth. Because, because of their example, we're able to learn so much more of how to conduct ourselves in church and practicing different church matters, right? That's a gift to us. Uh, so here we're able to learn from their mistakes even. So we have examples in the Old Testament, New Testament. Okay. Okay. Other worldviews we could look at Hinduism, uh, good works, self-denial, and meditation would be a way in which they they can overcome uh, that they can overcome sin and evil. Uh, if they can master this, they will break from the cycle of eternal rebirth. So, that's a fun one. Uh, Buddhism, uh, it's self. Effort and reaching nirvana, so reaching a level of being able to break free from, from this earth. Uh, in Islam, a person must earn their own salvation. Remember, it's that weight of, I need to do enough good things to outweigh my bad, and it's going to be all uh, weighed. Uh, Judaism, uh, commit to the, to the one true God and live a life of good works, moral living, Uh, following the commandments of God. And we talked about that yesterday as well. Um, Starting to get to some more uh, Christianized worldviews, you have Catholicism. Uh, It'd be faith, Roman Catholicism, faith in Christ plus good works. So that would be uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, Lutheranism, uh, faith can be inherited from parents. And not all. So I want to be very clear here with, with Lutheranism and with all of these that, that we're talking about. Painting with a broad brush. Uh, so this isn't all of them. This is some of them. Faith can be inherited from parents. Baptism is loosely connected to salvation. Uh, it it becomes almost squishy uh, talking about that at, at Sometimes, so but faith in Christ is is key as well. So, uh, those are some other world views that we can look at. Uh, you could look at New Age, and that's just going to be whatever whatever you want to do. Remember we talked about the ultimate concern and different things like that. Life is what you make it. Your purpose on earth is what you make it. And uh, salvation is found in that. I mean, we could even get into like liberation theology and different things like that of, of fighting for a cause. And, and then when you don't have a cause to fight for, you've got to find one as a means for salvation as well. And we see that one playing out in our culture today. Um, so you, you've got that as well that is becoming... Uh, growing quite rampantly in our world today. So, all right. So let's move on to Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to look at the need, application, and result of grace from the Bible. The need, the application, and result of grace from the Bible. Let's read the text, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to gather here together to worship you. God, I pray that as we work through this text today that you would allow us to understand your grace more clearly. God, that even as we live through our Christian lives that we would be able to apply this truth daily that we would be able to look back towards it and understand the grace in which you have given to us, that we would be humbled by it. God, that we would be dispensers of grace, that we would be used by you, that you would work through us. God, I pray this morning that you would allow my thoughts to be clear, that you would allow me to speak clearly, that you would allow our hearts to be quiet. That we'd be able to learn and apply to our lives your word, in your blessed name. Amen. The first time that I really studied this text out was when I was in the seventh grade, and we had started this thing at church called Evangelism Explosion. Anyone ever do that? E.E. Anyone? Okay. Um, we, we did it at our church, Pastor Dave. Uh, here at the camp, was actually, uh, grew up going to church with him. He's the one who led it and was training us in how to do it. Now, it was supposed to be for like high schoolers on up, but I pleaded with my mom, Mom, I want to do this. I really want to go to this class. Is there any way in which that I can do this class? So uh, we talked to Pastor Dave. I was able to go to the class and uh, go through Evangelism Explosion and started going through it. And And we got to the part of talking about grace, and it was just eye-opening, because we talked about grace, we talked about salvation, uh, I had placed my faith in Christ, but then when we started to really talk about it, it was incredible to see. So understanding it more for myself was an eye-opening experience, but then being able to go out, the, the purpose of Evangelism Explosion was to go out and talk to people. And you're supposed to like show up on their doorstep, and you knock on the door, And then you like try to start this conversation out of thin air almost of uh, (laughs) trying to lead them to Christ. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it just fell flat on its face, but uh, I I would... I got to go out with Pastor Gizmore and other people. And, and uh, one time we went to a place in Mason City. We knocked on the, these people's doors that I had just moved in to Mason City. And we were invited in and Pastor Gizmore sat down and he asked the two diagnostic questions that we have in EE. Do you believe in heaven or hell? Do you believe in heaven or hell? That was the first question that you'd usually ask. And, uh, and they would say well, yes or no or... Okay, so if you do believe in heaven and you were to die and go to heaven and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And it's still been one of my favorite questions to ask because, because it's still a nice entry question um, and it's, it, it, it will really help you to understand where someone is coming from when you ask that question. If you were to die today and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And these people had no clue what to say. So then, the next follow-up question is, "Could I? Could I explain to you how to get to heaven?" It's re- it was really awkward when someone thought like they would give an explanation, and it was not the right one. I always felt like, "Oh man, what's going to happen next?" But Pastor Grismore usually had a really nice way of telling them that they were wrong and saying, "Hey, could I tell you <laughs> uh, about about the God that I believe in, about Christ?" and uh, and they would usually graciously say yes. I think we only had a few times where they said no. And it was like, oh, what do we do now? Well, then we just finished up conversation and left. But in this time, they said yes. And, and, and as we're getting to the end of it, as, as, as Pastor Grismore is going through it, he gets to Ephesians chapter 2 and he explains it to them. And it was incredible to watch the process that was happening. The woman was leaning forward in her chair listening intently almost on every single word that Pastor Grismore was saying. The man was sitting there, kind of reserved, sat back in his chair, and I thought, no way this guy is listening at all. He looks really angry and upset. The lady leans forward at the end, and Pastor Grismore asked, would you like to know more about this? Would you like to make a decision today? And uh, the lady said, yes. It's like, Whoa. That's pretty cool. So then he turns to the husband. He said, how about you? And he's more reserved. And he goes, well, I don't know. I have to think about that a little more. And Pastor Grismer goes, that's fine. So we, we finished up. Uh, they started coming to church and ended up, I, I believe, I can't remember how long that they ended up coming. I think they came a few Sundays. But then after that, I, I don't know what ended up happening there. So it was really cool, though, to see how just explaining god's scripture to someone their eyes can become unveiled and how she was leaning forward and listening intently and wanting to know more there was definite hunger there on her behalf on her side it's fun to see that it's fun to be a part of that it was fun to start to learn in how to talk about god's grace And that's why I want to talk about this on our last time together today, is to look at the need, the application, and the result of grace from God's word, from Ephesians chapter 2. Because if we don't understand the need, we won't understand the grace that is extended and offered to us. So the first thing, the need, out of verses 1 through 3, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What is Paul doing here? Why, why is Paul starting here with the church in Ephesus? Why is he writing this? What is he trying to make known to the Ephesian believers? What do you guys think? Yeah, of their sin, right? Who's he talking about? Is he talking about the world? Is he talking about the culture around them? Who's he talking to? Who's he saying this about? Yeah, his audience in Ephesians. The believers in the church at Ephesus. Why is he reminding them of their state? What do you guys think? Why would they need to be reminded of the state in which they were in? Okay, they they could have been slipping back into the old ways. I think so that way they could see the grace of God and worship him even more. To see it, to understand it, to understand what they were saved from. Because even before this, I mean, he's giving them, uh, talking about... uh, Christ and and uh, what the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what the immeasurable greatness of His power He's giving a clear picture of who God is, his power, our need. We have no power. We were what? Children of disobedience. We were the sons of disobedience. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. I think as Christians, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that everything's good. I have everything that I need and we forget how sinful we are how needy we are for God's grace. And that need should humble us. Our former state should humble us. How fast we can go back to sin should humble us. Not only that, but we should see this need and see it as a way in which those who who don't know Christ, what their state is. Because a lot of the times we think, why can't, our world just get it, right? Why can't the culture just go along with what I want and the principles in which I believe and and do all of these things? It's because they're following the prince of the power of the air. We need a reality check about that when we look at those who are lost. A dead person can't do anything to save themselves. They're dead. It'd be like going to a, a, a graveyard to recruit people to build a building. That'd be a good place to start. Like as they're starting to build the rock out here, we'd see Pastor Dave go out to a cemetery and say, all right, guys, who's ready to go make a building with me? What would we think of that? That would be weird. See, they can't do anything for themselves. We can't do anything for, the, for ourselves. We need God's power to raise us from death into life. And we can't do anything, anything to deserve that gift, to manifest that power within us. We can't do that. We need God to work. We judge the world quickly because we forget who we were. And we don't see the need that is actually there. They need to, we, not they, we don't see the need that is actually there. The need that, that they're sinners, that they're lost, and that they need God's grace just as much as we did. So I think sometimes we just need a reality check. Growing up, I grew up right around here. Uh, we'll, we'll move past this, the state of the heart. And God's desire, we might come back to that. Uh, here we are. Grew up going to Ventura, right down the road, mile away from here, played football. This is my freshman picture. Can you guys believe that? I look like I'm 10. I'm not going to lie. Actually, I probably look like the number on my jersey. five. And uh, before my freshman year of football, in fact, this is probably how Aaron and Anna Hart remember me. So, uh, before my freshman year of football, my dad kept asking me, Cody, are you sure, are you sure you want to go out for football? And I was always kind of offended, like, yeah, of course, Dad, I want to go out for football. Okay, because this isn't going to be like junior high football. You understand that, right? You're going to Ventura where you'll play with seniors and stuff. Yep, Dad, I understand. I can't wait. So, two days came along, and the first three days, you know, you're just running. And I thought, this, I don't know why my dad was always trying to get me to get out of this. This is easy. We we're playing like touch football, stuff like that. We even played Ultimate Frisbee. Um, that's probably why we went 0 and 22. I mean, <laughs> playing Ultimate Frisbee probably isn't a great thing to do for, well, anyways, moving on it. Probably because we had guys the size of me on our team, actually. Uh, <laughs> Then we put our pads on and I remember getting ready for a kickoff and I was running down the field as fast as I could thinking I was going to go tackle a guy and out of nowhere someone came and hit me so hard I had no clue what had happened. I actually flipped through the air and my helmet came off and I just laid there on the ground looking up in the sky and I started to cry. I didn't even know what had happened. It hurt so bad, and this senior comes stepping over me, and he felt awful. John was such a nice guy. He actually scooped me up off of the ground, (laughs) carried me over to the sideline, set me down, went back and got my helmet, and brought it to me. That day was an absolute reality check. All of that, those questions of my dad of, are you sure you really want to do that, came into view. I finished out the season and uh, <laughs> and went out the next year. I hadn't grown up that much, but uh, it, I still love to do it. I, I just changed positions to tight end because there you don't get hit as much. Uh, when I had first started, they'd put me at running back and that just like was the worst idea because I was just, I was like a chicken running around as fast as I could from everyone. So <laughs> it was reality check of my state. I, I couldn't do anything. I needed to grow to actually play football with these guys. I couldn't actually do anything in my own strength there to help myself at all. Um, I realized that I wasn't going to be the next Reggie White that day, and it saddened me to no end. I wanted to be the minister of defense, and it just didn't happen. And anyone know who Reggie White Okay, good. Okay. Okay, we'll stop. All right. So we need to understand our need for the gospel. We need to be humbled by it. We need to look at it on a daily basis. We also need to have the reality check of the world in which we live. They don't know Christ. They don't know God's grace. They don't have an understanding of it. They will not live by the Spirit because they don't have the Spirit. That's going to help us to grow to be more compassionate to those who don't know Christ. That That's going to That's going to motivate us to move forward into our communities. When we start to understand grace and the need that people have for grace, it should wreck our hearts at times to where we are pleading with God to work in others' lives. Not just pleading to change the culture. There's a difference. Number two. Let's look at the application today. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Okay, move on to verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the what? Gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. It is God who acts. It is God who moves towards us and not the other way around. You did not become a Christian because you were so intellectually smart and gifted that you were able to understand that. No, it is God who worked even when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. In fact, even on a yearly basis and more than that, but usually during Easter and as we're reading through the Easter account, I even still sit there and I think, man, God, isn't there any other way that that this could have happened? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't the Israelites on Palm Sunday just got it figured out and just truly continued to worship Christ throughout the week? Why did Christ have to go to the cross? Anyone else like that as you read the account of Christ going to the cross and you just start thinking, there's got to be another way. Why are they doing this? But we know that it was God's plan from eternity past. Even before he created us, he knew what was going to happen. He knew the cost in which it was going to cost him. Are you moved by that? Are you moved by the fact that God had to come down as a man? Christ came down as 100% God, 100% man, and died in our place. Because it's easy to start to look at it flippantly. You think, well, really? Is it? Yeah, we do it a lot. A few years ago for our VBS, we do this thing called day camp. We start at 8 a.m. and we go till 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon. We've been doing it for over 30 years now. We just finished last week. We just had another day camp last week. And, uh, and anyways, a, a few years back, I was able to share the story of Abraham and Isaac going up to the, the mountain and Abraham laying Isaac on the altar and is about to, he's about to kill Isaac and the knife in his hand and God says, Stop! Right? Don't harm Isaac. So Isaac gets off the altar and there's a ram caught in the thistle. And I was explaining this to the kids and saying, And God provided a substitute for Isaac. All the kids were quiet. They were listening. I said, So then Abraham killed the ram and all the kids go no he killed the ram and i didn't realize that they i thought like hey they'd be happy you know what they they didn't i said yeah but he didn't have to kill he didn't kill his son isaac like god had asked him to do they're like yeah but they abraham killed the ram he sacrificed he sacrificed the lamb yeah he killed it that is so sad they were they were truly bent out of shape About it. I'd grown up as a child hearing that story, and I was like, okay, they sacrificed the ram. But they couldn't believe that Abraham sacrificed the ram. And I think the story of the cross, we can become so seared to it at times, or it becomes so known to us that we sit there and we hear the story of the cross, we hear the story of what Christ has done in our place for us, and we're just like, "Eh, no big deal. Because I had grown up and heard the story about Abraham sacrificing the ram and I had really not thought of anything else. It was just an animal, right? It was just a, a sacrifice or an offering. We can look at the death of Christ in the same way. Understand the application and the great cost in which it, at, at which it has come and how God has provided in his mercy on our behalf. Because the thinking of God is so much higher than ours, we look at it and we go, how could God do it that way? Why would he choose to do it that way? The thinking flips it upside down, just like what we talked about the other day. They, they are the men who are turning the world upside down and they're dragging Jason from his house because of the, the, the gospel truth that they are preaching. And this, this is provided for us when we believe in what God has done for us. We place our trust, our faith in it. We rest in it. In fact, we see this in many different passages. Could I get four volunteers this morning to read God's word for us? All right, Dan, could you read for us this morning Acts 16.31? Could I get a second volunteer? Yeah, right back here. Ryan, is that right? Yeah, Ryan, could you read John 1.12 for us today? Okay, right back here. Uh, Dustin, could you please read Acts thirteen thirty nine? One more, one more. Any any volunteers? Yeah, right over here. Romans four five, please. Do you guys need microphones or can you stand up and read real loud for us? All right, sweet. Thanks, Dan. We'll start with you. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. Okay. Thank you. Okay, believe on his name. Great. Right back here, Dustin. 139. Yep. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Great. Thank you, Dustin. John. Yeah. Scott! Oh, Scott! <laughs> Hi, John. Yeah. Okay, thanks guys. What was key there? What was key? What did all all four of those passages? We We can't do it on our own. And we need to believe. We need to believe God. We need to trust him for what he has done. It is by the grace of God through faith. That's what that faith is. We are trusting in what Christ has done for us. And then, Christian term, we are saved, right? We're saved from eternal damnation. We're saved from the wrath of God. And that has been poured out on his son in our place. Faith is believing God. Just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him as what? Righteousness. We aren't able to do it ourselves. God has done it for us. All we need to do is believe. God's plan doesn't make sense to us, but the Holy Spirit helps us to understand that. The Holy Spirit unveils our eyes to the wonderful truth of the gospel. Uh, we see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. Uh, we cannot... We cannot boast in our own intelligence. Our, we cannot boast in our good works. We cannot boast in what we have done. It is all about what God has done through, for us through Christ. Nothing of ourselves. Tim Keller puts it this way. Saving faith is in God's provision, not our performance. Not our performance. But yet, even after we become saved, even after we become children of God, we can make it about our performance, just as Pastor Aaron talked about the other night. In fact, we're given this gift and then we try to make payment for it, almost like, I'm going to do all of this so that way it's worth it for God to save me because God had to save me because that's how good of a Christian I am, so I need to prove it, right? Wrong. We, We do it because we want to worship him and boast in him and make his name great and not our own. So remind yourself of God's love, mercy, and grace every day. Boast in Christ's work in your life. Tell others what God has set you free from. Boast in it. Tell others about it. Grow in how you see others and in your love for others. Okay, let's look at the results. 2, 6 through 7 and 10. And raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. I understand salvation. I understand what God has done for me. That's it, right? Thank you. <laughs> I love the interaction. That, that, that makes it more fun, I think. So thank you. Yeah, it's wrong. That's wrong. Absolutely wrong. No, when we understand the gospel, it should motivate us to move and grow and grow deeper in our love for God because of what he has done for us and what he continues to do for us. Think of it this way. When I got married to Taylor, it was a great day, right? I got engaged to her. uh, Actually, right on the other side of Clear Lake. That's a story for another time. Uh, but we got engaged with them, we got married. Now, think if I just stopped in our relationship together, right? And I didn't grow at all in my love for Taylor. And I just kind of went about, like, well, I'm married, I just. How would that relationship turn out? What do you guys think? Not good, right? That'd be bad if I didn't pay attention to Taylor, I didn't grow in my love for her more. We didn't grow closer together as a couple. That would all be very bad. And in fact, there's this process that I'm still going through today called the process of domestication, is what I like to call it. And as I grow in my love for Taylor, I'm starting to realize that I am noticing other things. Like before, when I went to TJ Maxx or a store, I would never look for pillows. Now I see a good deal on pillows or something like that, and I'm noticing I'm texting Taylor, hey, I'm here at the store and found something that you might like, and I'll snap a picture of it and send it to her. That is something I would have never done before. There are things that I've grown in in marriage of even what we eat at dinnertime. In fact, the first meal that Taylor and I had together, she brought it to the table, I ate it, And I looked up at her and I said, where's the meat? (laughs) I just thought it was like an appetizer or something. (laughs) And she said, that is the meal, there's no meat. And then I said these words, it's not a meal if there's no meat. I have grown in the process of domestication. (laughs) We now have meals without meat. In fact, sometimes I I enjoy them. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to overlook the full extent of grace. A short-sighted Christian will take the grace that is given to them and do nothing with it. We'll get dragged down by questions like, why are bad things still happening to me? Why is there still death and sickness? I thought Christ conquered all of my problems. In fact, there are teachers out there that would tell you that as a Christian, you should have no problems in your life because God is for you. God wants you to be a winner, right? And it sounds good at first when you start listening to it. But after we look at evil and we look at suffering and the suffering that still happens and the suffering that our Savior went through for us and how we are being conformed into the image of Christ, which means that we will suffer just as Christ did. That we, poor beggars, one day will be lifted up into the presence of God to share in the inheritance of Christ does that astound you? Does that move you to awe? I mean, think about that. We who are poor beggars, who don't even deserve a seat at the table, are welcomed in and lifted up to receive the inheritance of Christ. What a great truth that that is. What a truth that we can worship our God in. And then in this eternal aspect, we will continue to learn about the extent of God's love and mercy for us. We're going to continue to learn about the immeasurable immeasurable riches that God has for us, that, that God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. Not our own works, not what we've done, but what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing for us. So the results of grace is growth. That's one of the initial results, is that we start down the process of sanctification, growing in Christ, being set apart for God, being a tool for God, being used by him, going out into the world to make more disciples. Friend, where are you at with that today? How are you growing in your faith? How are you digging into God's word to learn more about him, to be in awe of him, to learn about him? How does that move you as you move into the world, as you have conversations with your neighbors, with your friends, with your families? Are you reminded about the need that we have? Are you reminded about the application and then also the results that that causes us to grow? It's not as once we reach Christ, once we reach salvation, once we understand that we're just plucked from this world. No, we're, we're to stay here and to become ministers of Christ. And that... That comes through growth. That comes through moving forward that we should walk in them for we are Christ's workmanship created for good works. Not to boast in ourselves but to boast in God and make much of him. I just want to thank Ryan for leading us. Where are you at, Ryan? in leading us in worship this week, Um, in singing. You've done a great job. I mean, even yesterday with Behold Our God, right before Job, that was great. And then today with the songs that we had and the theme that we're talking about today, just, I I love the song, His Mercy More. I'm tempted, half tempted to, to sing it again right now, but we're running towards the end of our time here. It should liven us as we think and we reflect about what God has done to even sing out more boldly for him. And that worship just doesn't happen as we sing, but as we move throughout our lives. How are you worshiping God with your life? What does that look like in your life today? How does the grace of God compel you to worship God with all of your life, no matter the cost? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to be able to come here for a week to study your word, to have just great Christian fellowship with one another. God, I pray that this would be a time for us to just rest, that many of us were able to rest, that we were able to uh, rekindle a, a fire and a passion for you, God. That you would allow us to go back to our local churches and to be ministers there for you, that you would allow us to work for you, that we would be a tool in your hands, that we would boast in you and you alone, God. God, I pray that uh, you'd be with us in these in this last day, that we would be able to. If there's changes that we need to make, that you would allow us to make them, that we would that we would start down a course, a path of change. That we would continue to understand our need for change on a daily basis, God. That you'd make it clear for us. In your name, amen. All right, for diving deeper today, time to dive. Uh, Here are your discussion questions if you want to check them out. There they are. Discuss them. What is grace? Is it earned? Why or why not? Number two, how do people twist and misapply grace? Uh, Why is grace so important for a disciple of Christ to understand? And I want you to know that your teens have been going through uh, similar material with Josh. We talked beforehand and he's structured it. Even the, uh, how it's been misapplied in the Old Testament and New Testament. Josh went th- through that with them today. So, so be talking with your teens about this. Ask them these questions too. Uh, discuss it with them. Um, allow them to ask questions. Don't be afraid of that. It's good to do that uh, with young people. They're working through this as well, thinking about it. All right. Any announcements besides go pick up your children when you need to? Awesome. You guys are dismissed.